I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. We want to be seen, we want to be heard, and we want to be able to be authentically ourselves and and be enough. Just so you know, I struggle with all the same things. I have really bad days. I have days where I'm crying. I have days where I feel like I'm not enough. And I just I go back to that. You're only human. And then I, I mentally fit enough, though, to understand that, like, hey, you can't just keep wallowing in this. You've got to go out and take you know, positive action, go back to the power of one. Like what can you do for someone else? We're all a work in progress. We're never going to reach a certain point in life and be like, yes, okay, this is it. And then coast the rest of the way. Like there's always chance for an up level. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 534 with guest Tara Renzi. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. I decided to record this intro when I'm sort of hungry and I probably should just go eat lunch. And I had to stop and re-record several times because I cannot get the words out. So life lesson, just go eat. Don't do as I do, do as I say. Just go have lunch when you're hungry. Anyway, Tara Renzi's here. She's another one who, you know, it's one of those situations where I can't believe it took me this long to get her on the podcast, but she is finally here. And before I bring you this conversation, I wanted to let you know that I'm filling up my speaking calendar for the winter and the spring of 2024. So if you work at a company or if you own a company that does events, trainings, fun things like that, where you have speakers, I might be the person that you're looking for. If you head on over to andreaowen.com slash speaking, you can see the keynotes that I deliver and shoot us a message. There's a contact button on that page that is specific for speaking and we can hop on the phone and see if I am a great fit for your event or your audience. All right, let me tell you a little bit about Tara. Tara Renzi is an author, keynote speaker, emotional intelligence, and positive intelligence practitioner. 
podcaster, thought leader, wife, and mother, and is redefining how we unleash purpose, level up our success, and create sustainable happiness and fulfillment in all aspects of our lives. After two decades of success in corporate leadership and social selling, she started writing and keynote speaking to empower others to be who they came to be and create, own, and live the life they desire, envision, and deserve. Tara has a true passion and talent for guiding others to harness and realize their full potential. So without further ado, here is Tara. Tara, thank you so much for being on the show. I am so excited to be here with you. I am too. I know I've been like kind of watching you from afar for the last couple of months and I reached out to have you come on. We have some amazing mutual friends and I love many topics that you talk on. So this is going to kind of be a mixed bag of things that you talk about on social media and in your keynotes and things like that. So I want to start with a really kind of broad general one. And how do you define, I know you you talk about, you use the term mentally fit. So what does that mean to you? How do you, how do you express that? Mental fitness is just really the highest form of emotional intelligence and understanding that we are not our thoughts. And I think if you, you know, if you sat down with anyone and you could hear all their thoughts, right? We'd all sound completely crazy. If you think about all the things that pour through your head, that roll through your head all day, 3 a.m., all the time, right? And so being mentally fit is this understanding that you are not your thoughts, but you choose how you show up. And just like physical fitness, it takes a lot of um, being intentional, working at it. Um, I think we can all all remember a time where we were really disappointed in the way that we reacted or acted in any given situation. Mm -hmm. So being mentally fit is really just choosing how we show up, no matter if we're having a bad day, whether um, things are going our way or not our way. And and there's a super high level of self-awareness, knowing that our emotions, how we act on them and how we present not only really have a huge impact on us, but every single person that we come into contact with. So how would you help someone like if, you know, say this was like Q&A at the end of your keynote or something and someone asked the question, I find that my negative self-talk can be at times all-consuming. Do you have any advice for how to start just, you know, to, to start shifting that? Is it a matter of just, just thinking better thoughts? Like where do you start with people? So I think that, you know, it is really interesting. I'm an emotional intelligence practitioner and I love emotional intelligence, but a lot of times this is what happens is people, they don't know actually how to move the needle on it. They they don't know how to take action. And there's a really, really cool, I I got certified in this as well. It's called positive intelligence. It's by this man called Shirzad Shamin. And the studies prove that if you can understand your positive intelligence, you can actually elevate your emotional intelligence. So your positive intelligence is understanding your self-sabotaging beliefs. And they show up in really different forms. So for me, I'm a hyperachiever and a pleaser. And then we all have the judge, right? It's judging ourselves, judging others, judging every situation. And so you could take this free assessment, actually just go to um, positiveintelligence.com and then click the saboteur assessment. It's totally free. And it's a very quick assessment and it's free. And then you'll get back your, your results of what are your top saboteurs. What's really cool about this is mm. you can become really mindful of them then. You can, and I've named mine. So like my hyperachiever is Everest, like, because every day my hyperachievers wake up and I'm like, come on, time to climb Mount Everest today. Like, it doesn't matter if you climbed it five times yesterday, like we're doing it again. And then my pleaser, I call cherry because it's a cherry on top for everything. And I'm constantly trying to please people. What happens is when you understand yourself, your saboteurs or your self-sabotaging beliefs, it gives you almost like a light bulb switch to be like, oh, oh, hi. Um, hyperachiever. I know this is you Mm -hmm. and we're not doing this today. 
Like I'm not, I, I get it, mm-hmm. but the answer is no. So it's basically this, 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 I don't want to say a, like a light switch, like a light bulb really, where you can become mm-hmm. mindful of it enough to understand that, oh, this is my hyperachiever in me, self-sabotaging me to either, you know, overwork, underwork, feel like I'm not enough, have imposter syndrome, all those different things. And so it gives you a lot of control. And the other cool thing about it is, is um, people suddenly are, you know, if I just told someone like, you're a, um, you're so restless, they might take that as an insult, right? But if the if the yeah. results come back and say, your hyperachiever is restless or your, your saboteur is restless, you're like, oh, my saboteur is restless. And it's, it takes them kind mm-hmm. of the the feeling like it's you or there's something wrong with you or there's something bad about you to being like, okay, we all have these saboteurs. I love that. I teach something similar in like the personification of this, you know, negative self-talk, rowdy roommate, whatever you want to call it, saboteur. That's what they called it in the coaching school that I went to. I, I love that. It sounds rowdy roommate. The rowdy roommate. Yeah. I've heard that too. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what I thought you said. That's hilarious. I can't remember who it was years and years and years ago. Somebody was on my show who called it that. And I always thought that was so funny. I want to just tag on to something that you said that was so great. And it's that because what I, I often tell people is because sometimes we have these really high expectations for our personal development and people think that, oh, I need to get to a place of never having, you know, high achieving or being the pleaser or having any, any negative thoughts at all. And so what I like to tell people is, no, what the goal is that you're going to be able to recognize it so quickly that you can use the tools that you have and that you've learned. And it's just, you're closing that gap of having the negative self talk or thoughts and then changing to something that serves you better and that just brings you more happiness, confidence, and, and allows you to take action. It's just closing that gap. And that's what I, I, that's what I find. It's almost like I've become like the narrator of my own life, you know, and I'm like, oh, there it is like, yeah. so fast. Whereas before I would sit in it for hours or even days. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I always just also remind people, you're only human. You will never outgrow yeah. self-sabotaging beliefs. You will never outgrow negative self-talk. And, but, but it is this, this, this concept of being mentally fit. And it is something that you have to work at. I mean, I still sometimes find myself in a rabbit hole and I'm like, how in the hell have you been here for two hours? Like <laughs> you are better than this, you know, but it is, it's being able to recognize it and then shift away from it and say, I'm only human. And that is not true. That is not my mm-hmm. truth. Um, and then it goes back to how are you showing up? Because if you are showing up as a victim and woe is me, all things bad happen to me, whatever, versus, you know, maybe you feel like that, but you then present confidently, you start to to prove yourself out of your thoughts, you know, because actions speak, you know, louder than words. Yeah. And I love that you, you use self-compassion instead of trying to, you know, I know that some people, when they're doing this work, they think that telling their saboteur to fuck off, you know, get out of here, that that's helpful. And sometimes that can feel good in the moment. I just want to acknowledge that for people. But in the long run, it's self-compassion and just like understanding common humanity. That's the thing that's going to help the most. I would say like, you can't bully yourself into betterment. Like no one does that. Right. You can't beat yourself up into having a better life. Yeah. I do sometimes tell my saboteurs to fuck off at like 3 a.m. When they come knocking, you know, <laughs> they wake you up. When you're trying to sleep. You, they wake you up. My That's acceptable. There. The judge starts judging me on something that I did 10 years ago. And I'm like, what? Uh-huh. Your, God, that, I can't believe I'm remembering that. God, that was a really bad moment for me. You know? And then my uh-huh. hyperachiever is like, oh, wait, I've got a great idea for your next keynote. Let's write it right now. <laughs> and my pleaser in me is telling me that I need to do something better or go help someone or do something. 
And then finally I'm like, oh wait, it, it's 3.30 now. Um, everybody go fuck off. I need mm-hmm. to get sleep or none of those things are going to happen. You know? Yeah. I, I do that too. Or I, and I tell myself, this is all going to be here in the morning. Yeah. And that usually works for me instead of like completely trying to shut it down. Cause I think that a lot of times like those thoughts just want to be heard. You know, they're trying to protect us. They're trying to, to, to help us avoid criticism and shame and judgment. They just have a bad way of going about it and they're terrible communicators. So yes. Yeah. They're just, like, they're, okay, they're just looking out for me. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. seldomly do I wake up at 3am and be like, you are kick ass. You <laughs> are awesome. Like what that last keynote you did, man, you nailed that. Like that was your next Everyone loves you. Bestseller. <laughs> Everybody loves you. Like, but I do, I love what you just said of like, cause I do the same thing too. Like, Hey, I've got to get sleep or nothing's going to happen tomorrow. Like, you know, mm-hmm. so I do, I, I actually tell myself these things at 3am. I did it last night. I do too. Yeah. I do visualizations too. Sometimes I visualize like me gathering up all the thoughts and like putting it in the junk drawer in my kitchen and closing it just to like to put it away. So I can't see it. I love that. That helps. That's only in desperate situations where I really can't sleep when like the the thought work isn't working. I do the visualization, putting it in a right. drawer. You can put it in the trunk of your car. You can do whatever you want. So you hopefully that's helpful it, for people. Put it in a, at a bonfire, light it on fire. Do you actually have yep. you ever tried this down the toilet? Totally random. Do you ever have you ever counted sheep? I've tried that before. Yeah. How do you count them? Are they jumping over a fence? They're jumping over. They're white and they're jumping over a fence and they're fairly slow. Mm-hmm. Same with me. Like, how? Why? Why do we feel like they're? Why do they jump over a fence? I don't know where we got that. But I've asked several people this. Like, when you count sheep at night, are they in a herd and you're just trying to count them, or are they one by one, like jumping over a fence? I never even thought that other people did it differently than than them jumping over a fence. I feel like it's more of a marker, you know, like <laughs> easier to count. Yes, it is easier to Who knows? Yeah. If anybody does it different, DM me or Tara yes. on Instagram S- and let us Andrea know if you do a it different. And tell us how you count sheep. <laughs> Especially if you have a way that works. Right. Exactly. We're all ears. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and I'm going to ask you about something that you see in women that are patterns. So be right back, everybody. There's definitely been times in my life where my paycheck ran out before I got paid again, and I wish I could have accessed my next paycheck a few days before I was due to get it. Well, what if I told you that can happen with Earnin? Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use Earnin for anything you need to, therapy visits, rent, or even extra self-help books. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in noise under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show. Noise under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. 
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Okay, I wanted to ask you if you see with your clients or the people that you speak to in your workshops, et cetera, do you see a pattern for women that causes them to be unhappy? Or if maybe it's not um, causes them to feel unhappy, but that has them lacking confidence? I think the number one thing that holds women back from that is just comparison. And I know we talk about comparison all the time, but you know, my whole, my whole mission mantra saying is be who you came to be. It's not be more like her or try to be a little Mm -hmm. bit like her or be a version of this. It's be who you came to be. And I think the women, the reason women play small and hold themselves back and talk themselves out of things is because we don't honor our authenticity. And for some reason, we think that we need to be more like this, less like this. But if you, if someone said, Hey, what is the, if you could be like anyone, they wouldn't even know who that person is because everything that they see is a highlight reel. Like we don't even see all the behind yeah. the scenes. So I do think that's the, you know, the number one thing. And we talk about it all the time. You know, I always remind my audience, like, anytime you find yourself comparing, there is something there, right? There's something there that you either admire or want or want to emulate or are curious about more than anything. Maybe you're curious exactly. about it. Mm-hmm. Replace that with admiration. It's just, a, it's one of those simple mentally fit ways that you can say, Okay, gosh, look at her. Okay, I really like that. And instead of being like, why am I not like that? Or I want to be more like that, you start admiring. And when we admire people, if you think about anyone you admire, it actually evokes a lot of confidence. Um, just the the desire to do more, to be more, where when we when we compare it, all it does is ignite self-sabotaging beliefs, the feeling that we're not enough, insecurities all those things. And so I have tried this mental note all the time of like, Hey, gosh, she's, that's really cool. I, I love that. You know, um, even with other female speakers and authors, I mean, I was looking at your books and there would have been a time where I would have been like, Oh my gosh, she has three books. She was published by penguin house. Like I'm going to feel like such a nerd on her podcast today where instead I was like, Oh my gosh, that's freaking awesome. I love that about you. And that really excites me because I'm like, you know, I'm working on my third book now. And I just, you know, it was this whole different mindset shift. I've done the same thing. And I also allow myself to fall into that. And again, this goes back to what we were just saying before the break of, of like having compassion for myself. And just, I think that one of the downsides of personal development becoming more mainstream 
is the the memification <laughs> of self-help. And we see these memes on Pinterest and Instagram that just said that it'll say like, stop comparing yourself to others. And I've, I've written about this in my books and I'm like, no one, no one can do that. No, one. we will. There's got to be some kind of biological or psychological reason that we do it for survival or whatever, or social reason, who knows. But I always tell people like, forgive yourself for doing it. And again, it's like catching yourself in the moment around it. Don't let yourself go down into this place of just feeling like shit about yourself because you're making up stories. I think we make up, we make up two different stories. We make up stories about what this person's life is like. With you in my books, like you could make up like it must have been so easy for her to write those books and get that book deal. And like, and like we make up all these things. And then from there, sometimes we make up stories of how that's not possible for us because of this person's success. It's like the craziest thing. I've done it so many times. I know, but we love to we love to tell ourselves stories. I mean, we think we're brilliant like story writers all day. day. I just it always comes Mm -hmm. back to this be who you came to be. You didn't come to be her. You didn't come to be her. Mm -hmm. And I tell myself this all the time. Like you didn't come to be her. You didn't come to be like her. Like you can admire her and you can even compare as long as it's not going to then hold you back from being who you came to be and unleashing your talents and gifts and authenticities and finding your people and what makes you tick and what fulfills you. So again, though, it comes back to you have to start being mindful of these things or you will just, you know completely negative self-talk yourself out of anything into a tailspin. Where do you start with someone when you're talking to them about like, what if, what if somebody is like, I don't know who I came here to be? Like, where do I even begin with my strengths and talents? I feel like I'm just very generic and average. Where, where do you start with someone? The first place that people think they should look is like, what makes them happy? Because we've been now, that's the other thing that is wired in society now is, and I, it, it's literally become like toxic positivity of everyone telling you like, mm-hmm. good vibes only, choose happy, yeah. be happy, get happy. Like I choose happy. I'm sorry. You cannot just choose to be happy. It's like having, um, I, I reckon it to like, if you have food poisoning, you can't just be like, I have food poisoning, but I don't, I'm just going to choose not to have it. Like these are human emotions. Like you can't just choose yeah. emotions. Like they hit you for all the reasons and for, for good reasons. They're telling you something and they're telling you important things. And so when someone says, I don't know who I am and I don't know what, what fulfills me. And almost always they think back to, well, I'm just going to create happiness and that's how I'm going to find it. And you will never find it. If you go down that path, you have to go down the path for me. And I believe this. And I tell people this all the time of what is fulfilling in your life. If you think about the most fulfilling things, these are going to be the things that require you to be patient, tenacious, forgiving, kind, bold, all in, you know, you're going to have rejection and you're going to have all these ups and downs. I mean, you think about, I've been married 22 years. My husband and I haven't always been quote unquote happy, but it is the most deeply fulfilling relationship I've ever had in my life. And we've had really, really Mm -hmm. kick-ass times. We've had hard times, you know, I think about my career and writing my book and all these things that were not easy had me at my wits end, had me in spirals of negative self-talk, all these things, but they created epic moments of happiness and success. And that's how you find your passion and your true calling and what it is, is think about what's fulfilling, not what's easy, not what makes you happy all the time. What is fulfilling? And you talk to any, like, I, I love using like a nurse for an example, someone who works in healthcare. You think you could tell them, just go to work and be happy today. Just be happy in the ER, right? Mm-hmm. They do the work because it's deeply fulfilling. Not because they mm-hmm. go in and and have like a joyful day, you know, reviving people back to life. 
Yeah, the minutia of it might not be what makes them fulfilled, but it's it's sort of like when Elizabeth Gilbert talks about writing and she says she doesn't like writing, but she likes having written. Like she she likes the results that she gets from it. It's the same with working out for me. It's like I just I, you know, people can't see me, but I'm just from a workout where the workout tried to murder me. It's like, do I like it? No, not particularly, but I like how I feel having worked out. So maybe that's part of it too. And I think that goes back to the whole fulfilling, right? I mean, it is, I'm the same way. I've actually really struggled with my workout since January. I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. I actually don't like it when I'm doing it. I think about quitting in the middle of it. But I don't, I keep going. And then afterwards I'm like, okay, kick ass. Like you did it. That felt good. Yeah. You, you know, it's fulfilling. Feels good. Not easy. Yeah. But worth it. I put my workouts as a task every day and I love checking off the box. That makes me happy and fulfilled. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to know what, what you see that holds women back on making an impact at work and what they can do to change that also doesn't add more to their plate. <laughs> I don't know if this is an impossible question. <laughs> I, think that the, the, yeah, I worked in corporate for 10 years and then I worked at, and I, I ran mm-hmm. a, a home-based business. I had self-employed people that I worked for. And I think that the main thing that women don't do is they just don't ask for what they want. They are so mm-hmm. afraid to ask, like, what is the worst thing that could happen? Someone will say no, like, or maybe there'll be a compromise or maybe there'll be... Um, some conversation around it. You know, there's a study that says like men will apply for a job if they meet six out of the 10 requirements. Um, Mm -hmm. Women feel like they have to meet nine to even apply, to even ask for it. And so um, I actually have a podcast. I'm not, I'm not, we're not as good about doing them like every week. Well, we'll put one out. Sometimes we'll have four months, sometimes we'll have one a month, but it's called the big app. (laughs) Um, Because this is the, and it's for women, but it's the whole concept of, are you asking for what you want? That's, mm-hmm. and maybe it's less work. Maybe it's more flexibility. Maybe it's a promotion. Maybe it's, you know, a project that you want to be part of. Just go ask and go ask confidently with your resume on why you deserve it, why you earned it and what you're going to bring to the table, what, why they should say yes to you. People like I, I there's like a Katy Perry quote that says, a confident woman can pull off just about anything. And it's so true, <laughs> right? A confident yeah. woman can pull off just about anything. So ask confidently and and go for it. Yeah, I, I love that. I wrote actually in my third book, there's a whole chapter called Ask for Everything You Want. I find it also a little bit tricky, especially, and I haven't been in corporate for 15 plus years, but I would guess that for many women, it's complicated because they don't want to be categorized as difficult or a diva or, you know, all of these things that we get labeled as that men typically don't get labeled as for asking the same thing. Right. And who's, and who's labeling them? Other women. Well, everyone. <laughs> I know. I mean, I worked in corporate a long time and the men in the organization, I mean, there were a few like bad seeds, right? But they're, they're out there. The majority of men were my biggest champion because I, I worked hard. I showed up. And a lot of times they were the one to be like, Tara, aren't you going to ask for this? Are you going to go for this? Like, come on. And mm-hmm. it is, unfortunately, the sad truth is we we are worried about what other people are, go back to the whole thing are going to think of us, it, it, which is just sad. It really is. 
Yeah. And it's internalized misogyny, you know, women that, that judge other women that tear each other down. And it's, that's a whole, that's a whole other conversation for another time, but it, it's complicated. And I just wanted to acknowledge that for people, for people listening, that it's, I see you, that it's, it's sometimes just complicated to ask for everything that you want, but definitely something to, to think about. And maybe the, the advice I give people is just prepare for the ask. You can you can ask in a kind manner and also because I think that sometimes when we think about asking for what we want, we see it as like demanding and you have to be aggressive and you know, and it's it's not that way at all. Like you can still be professional, you can still support your ask with whatever it is that you need to do to show that you actually deserve it. And I think that that's part gets skipped over sometimes, makes people nervous. Showing up authentically and even a little vulnerable. You know, I always say like, it's okay to announce your emotions, you know, to say like, Hey, I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm a little nervous about having this conversation. Say it. I'm a little nervous about Mm -hmm. having this conversation, but this is really important to me. And so I'm just going to, I'm going for it. Okay. And that instantly basically takes all, all of the, you know, heaviness out of the air. It creates this really nice little playing field for an open conversation. You're going to get some empathy, right? Because the person's going to be like, okay, this is cool. Like, here's this woman in here telling me this, but she's going to go for it. Smile. Above anything, just mm-hmm. smile a little bit. And then just remind yourself that like, you know, and I had, I, I've had to remind myself this all the time. Like nobody cares more about my success than me. No one, not my husband, not my kids, not my boss, not someone else at work. Like it is up to me to put myself out there. And then you're going to have your champions and your cheerleaders and your coaches who are going to help guide you and put you out there. But you have to lead the way for yourself. So always bet on yourself. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm with you. Amen. How do you define self-confidence? Because I know that's a like a term that we talk about a lot. Like how do you define that specifically for women? I think self-confidence is honoring your authenticity and then showing up as the best version of you and 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 being kind to yourself you know i mean there's a huge difference between arrogance and confidence and self self confidence is even understanding and honoring your flaws you know my next book is called perfectly flawed because as women we strive for perfection in our bodies in our marriages in our jobs in our relationships in our kids everything we want perfection and everything is perfectly flawed. Like nothing will ever be quote unquote perfect. And even if it is perfect at the moment, something is going to happen. And And so I really think the self-confidence is just knowing who we are and honoring our authenticity and then showing up as the best version of ourselves and giving ourselves some grace. You know, I, I just tell people all the time, you are only human. You are only human. And if you think about a, a confident woman, I think about the last confident woman that you were in, in a room with, not arrogant, confident. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, she made you feel better about yourself. She made you curious about the possibilities that were out there. She probably gave you a compliment. She had this it factor, right? And you were like, oh my gosh, I want it. It's confidence. And confident women lift other women. Confident women don't mm-hmm. tear other women down. They're not sitting around talking shit, trying to put someone down to make themselves feel better. They're just confident in themselves. And, you know, even if they, you know, spill coffee on their white jacket that morning, they're still, and they don't have a change of clothes, they're going to own it. That is the worst, though. <laughs> it is. The worst is actually like a barbecue, like ketchup. Every time oh, yeah. I wear something white, just so you know, it, something happens. I don't even know how it's, it's like the first telling me like, do not wear white. Like I would love to, oh, I would love to be, be like the, the speaker who wears white on stage. Hell no. 
something would happen every time. I have one white blazer, never again. I, I am I, I'm confident in a lot of areas, but wearing a white blazer is not one of them. I just I'm so nervous all the time. I'm like, I don't need this extra anxiety. I know. I just go for black normally or something that doesn't because I, the last thing I need is like pits, you know? <laughs> that's true. How long how do I have these pits? You can't see me right now, but I'm like waving a fan with my hands. Like that's gonna dry out your pits last minute. Not gonna happen. <laughs> We digress, but even even competent women spill coffee, ketchup, barbecue sauce, and have pit stains. Everybody, they do. They do. Welcome to the real world. I want to add to that. I think that that's almost like a, for lack of a better expression, like a line of demarcation. I felt like when I got to that place of of real confidence was when I, you know, because anytime I was judging or talking shit about somebody, it was totally all about me, like my own insecurities. And when I went through a lot of healing and did a lot of personal development work and and stopped doing that, of course, everyone slips once in a while, but I see it very quickly for what it is. And I'm like, oh, I must be feeling like shit about myself (laughs) for whatever reason. I don't know if you have found this, but there's so much freedom in that. And it feels so much lighter and better to be that person who lifts other women up, to be generous, to give genuine compliments to just shine a light instead of sucking the light out of spaces. Right. I, I don't know. Well, it, it changed. It changes your whole energy. Your whole energy field. It does the uh, the vibe that you bring. All of that. I love using um, this analogy of musicians. So, what is your favorite like genre of music? Probably seventies rock. Okay, seventies rock. Do you mm. like country? No, not really. Okay. It's okay. So I I love country. So this is this is what I'm saying. Like there's. For every musician, imagine if Eminem decided like, hey, gosh, you know, where am I going to go be able to sell the most records? Well, I'm a white rapper. Like, that's probably not going to work out very well for me, right? That's going to be really hard. So I should just do country music. He would have never been successful. So he had to honor his authenticity to say, hey, I'm going to just write good music. Anyone who's ever become a famous musician writes good music in their genre and they attract their raving fans. But if they're trying to be something they're not, they're never going to find their people. And I think for me that like this whole notion, I I was a musician. um, I was a theater and voice major for a few years in college. I come from a a line of musicians. And so I started thinking about this in like, and musicians honor themselves, their talents, their gifts, and what genre of music they Mm -hmm. love. And they create their raving fans. That is my mission in my life is to be, be the best version of myself, put out my authenticities, my gifts, talents, love to the world and I'm going to have my raving fans. I'm not going to be for everyone. Not everyone's going to like yeah. me. And if you want to talk shit on me, go ahead. Honestly, I'm to the point in my life at age 46 that I'm like, I don't even care anymore because I know who I am and I know I'm a good person. I am a good person. The end. And I write good music for myself. You know, what I put out is good music. So I'm okay. That's interesting. I love that analogy. And it makes me think of of musicians like Madonna and David Bowie, and who's problematic in his own way, but also Prince. Like these yeah. people who were somewhat ahead of their time and in many ways judged and had bad reviews about their persona, not just their music, but their their persona. And they kept going. I mean, it, what would have happened if they would have quit and been like, oh, I got some bad reviews. Right. <laughs> some people don't like me. Right. You put yourself out there, people will review you, good, bad, or whatever. And, you know, you just have to know that you're not for everyone. It's okay. It's okay. And you're, I love, that is true. It's, it's the, the, the musicians that have been the most controversial that have made the biggest impact in music. I mean, look at Elvis Presley, right? 
parents loved him. Youth loved him. Oh my gosh. But he single-handedly changed music forever. So did Michael Jackson. You know, that whole, when he, when he Mm -hmm. entered the music scene, think about eighties hair bands. Nirvana. Yeah. Nirvana changed our generation. I mean, they, they Mm -hmm. single-handedly eliminated the eighties hair band with their new genre of music. Cause suddenly people are like, Ooh, Mm -hmm. I kind of like this. So, and they were super controversial. So again, I'm not saying to go be controversial. I'm just saying to do your thing and people, you will find your raving fans. Yep. There's that, um, the rule of thirds. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Like, and whenever you put out your art or whatever it is, even if it's just you and your personality, there's going to be a third of people who think you're amazing. There's going to be a third of people who are indifferent and don't really care either way. And then there's going to be a third of people that don't like you. And many times we spend so much of our energy trying to convince the two thirds of people that aren't our raving fans that they should be our raving fans, whether that's through people pleasing, whether it's through like, editing ourselves and changing and kind of doing like this dance, like to try to get their attention and their love. When what we really should be doing is focusing on what's working. That's making that one third of people that really do think we're great because that's pointing to our natural strengths and abilities. And it's where we make an impact. It's where we make an impact and we can actually change lives. And Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, I, I, I try to stay focused always on the power of one on if I can touch one person's life, if I can change one person, if someone's listening to this podcast and takes one, if one, one person, ch- this changes the trajectory of their life, how they show up, how they feel about themselves or relationships. Like we did our job today. Like that is, we have to, mm-hmm. and once you get into that power of one, everything seems achievable where if, and that's how I am when I get on a, a stage, whether it's a stage for a hundred or whether it's a stage for a thousand, you know, if I get on the stage for a thousand, be like, I have to kick ass and knock the socks off of all these people. And they're going to love me. And every single one of them is going to buy my book, subscribe to, to my podcast, follow me on it. No one's going to get up to go to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No one's going to check their phone. Like I'm going to crush this. I would, well, first off, I would fail miserably on stage just from the, the right. amount of pressure. But instead of speaking mm-hmm. to one, I literally say a prayer for everyone. And I do, I say a prayer. I say, dear God, please give me the words, the strength, the love, the compassion to touch one person and anyone else in this Mm -hmm. audience who needs to hear this message today. And it is the most freeing, empowering, and I show up different. I show up so different. Yeah. But you can do this. Maybe, you know, if you're listening to this, you're like, well, that's great. You're a keynote speaker. You influence every single person every single day. How do you show up when you go into the grocery Mm -hmm. store and you can't find the bread aisle? Like, are you a total asshole to the person who's, where's the bread? You can't find the bread, you know, are you like, Hey, excuse me, could you help me? I'm looking for bread. I'm making, you know, ham milk tonight for my kids. And they're like, sure. Let me show you where the bread is. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Yeah. That one interaction changes Mm -hmm. that person's day. Like you don't Mm -hmm. have to, like Mm -hmm. every time you show up, you get to choose if you want to positively influence the power of one, one person one person at a time. Amazing. I love that. Okay. We're going to take one more break and then we're going to come back and I'm going to ask you about emotional intelligence. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends at Mindful Mama. We know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. 
everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. So what are the six key emotional intelligence traits and characteristics that allow you to, as you say it, um, listen up, speak up, and show up to get what you want? First off, I am an EQ practitioner. I went and got licensed in it because I've always been curious about it. And, you know, there's actually over 18 different emotional intelligence traits. So people get these huge surveys Mm -hmm. back and they're like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. Or they're like, oh God, I scored really low on emotional intelligence. I scored low on empathy or whatever. What what we found and what I found in, in coaching people and talking to people is what you really need to do is have a balance of traits. So these six traits are balancing to emotional intelligence traits that are on polar opposites. So the first one is empathy and assertiveness. If you are overly assertive and not empathetic, you, people will not like you. They will not like men are considered assholes and women are usually considered bitches. If they are super um, assertive and have no empathy, if you're overly empathetic, but aren't assertive and aren't willing to ask for you, you will get overlooked and just railroaded. People will just, just pass you by all the time. Mm -hmm. So that's the first Mm -hmm. one. The second one is um, independence, as well as being um, a team player, really nurturing those interpersonal relationships, your interpersonal skills. So, you know, if you're overly independent, that, that's a really hard for team building. It's hard for relationships, right? I mean, if you like you date someone who's overly independent or you marry someone, like you have to work at nurturing that interpersonal relationship as well. So really keeping in check. Yes, you can operate independently. You're not waiting for someone to give you an order because nobody likes that either. Like people who are low on independence, right. they drive you crazy, right? I mean, there are the the leg huggers who are like that you're dragging along. And you're like, come on, like get up and walk, right? Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. independent plus interpersonal relationships, really balancing those two. And then the other one that I think is is just so important, especially for women, is, is that we are realistically optimistic. So it's balancing realism and optimism. And that's being able to see things for what they are, um, not the story you're telling yourself, right? Not the bullshit story that you made up that doesn't have doesn't have any sense. Actually truly seeing it for what it is, and then being optimistic about the possibility and believing in yourself for mm. one reason and going all in. And you know, um, Sports are like the perfect analogy for this this realistic optimism. I mean, you know, someone's down ten. I don't know. Are you a basketball fan? Did you watch any of the March Madness? It was the whack. No, but I understand how basketball yeah, works. Yeah, <laughs> people would be up twelve, thinking that they're going to win it. The other team is realistically optimistic. They're like, "Hey, we're down by twelve. We can still win this game, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard, but we can do it." Now, if they were like, if they had low optimism, they'd be like, well, shit, we're down 12 with two points. Like, this isn't going to happen. 
But you have to believe in yourself. You have to see things for exactly what they are. Yeah. And we saw more buzzer beaters, more crazy things happen during this tournament because coaches are realistically optimistic in any situation, even down to the last five seconds when I'm like, why are you picking a timeout? Like you are not going to get six points in five seconds. They're still realistically optimistic that, Hey, we could, mm-hmm. we could in a perfect case scenario still win this basketball game. So I think those are the six ones. And if you can really carry those with you, um, it, it's just this nice little guiding light on how to show up into situations um, and, and keep them really just in balance. Yeah. I love that. I it just, I love hearing people who talk about emotional intelligence. So, so much. It just is one of those things where I was, I don't know about you, but I was not emotionally intelligent at all, like growing up and in my twenties. And it took me a long time to, to really kind of get to a place where, where I even understood all of those emotions and what they looked like in life and like how they sort of manifest themselves. And it just, oh, it just fascinates me to no end. Um, I just want to ask you one more question before I send people to wherever you want to send them to. Like, is there anything that that pleasantly surprises you about your clients or people in your in your workshops or in your audiences that you see over and over again, or just surprises you in general with people? That pleasantly surprises me? Yeah. Or just surprises you in general? I just, I think that, I think that what is always pleasantly surprising is that we all have so much in common. We are all, you know, especially as women, like we're all women. We're trying to do our best. We're trying to show up. We're trying to be good moms. We're trying to be good at our career. We're trying to be a good wife or good in our relationships. And, you know, when I get women in a room together, there is so much love and joy. And what I don't see in a room where people are there for personal development and to be be who they came to be in the best version of themselves are a lot of things we talked about earlier, the comparison, the negativeness, like people are lifting each other. They're excited for each other. They're cheering each other on. And there's this massive amount of compassion when we come together to be better, to be a better version of ourselves. We, we want other people to be a better version of their selves. And I think that you know, it's just a reminder to me that, um, unfortunately, uh, you know, social media, the media, the headlines, everything, they, they want you to feel like everyone's at odds. People don't agree. Mm -hmm. People aren't supporting each other. There's so much hate. There's all this divisiveness. There really isn't like, if you get, we are not that divided and we are not that different. And if you it's always so pleasantly surprising to me to just see the outpour of love, compassion, bridges built, people coming together every time, every time I get in a room with people who are committed to being a, being who they came to be, being the best version of themselves. Yeah, I think it comes down to just humanity. And and I, I agree with you that especially women that come together with the common goal or even just like-mindedness, like, you know, like-spiritedness of personal development and personal growth those rooms, like this way I love like hosting retreats because so many times over and over again, I hear them say, it feels so good to not feel alone. Like that my challenges and struggles are universal. And that so I think at the end of the day, like all of us are in some ways just so hungry to be seen and heard in our experiences and especially in our pain and struggles. 
And that is such a beautiful thing to to witness. Yeah, it is. I think we want to be seen, we want to be heard, and we want to be able to be authentically ourselves and and be enough mm-hmm. in that. And you know, yeah. I, I remind people all the time because you know, I've written this book, you've you've got your books, we all talk about all the stuff. Just so you know, I struggle with all the same things. I have really bad days. I have yeah, days where I'm crying, too. I have days where I feel like I'm not enough. I have and I just I go back to that, you're only human. And then I I mentally fit enough though to understand that, like, hey, you can't just keep wallowing in this. You've got to go out and take you know, positive action, go back to the power of one, like what can you do for someone else? And so, you know, it, it, we're all a work in progress. Like we're never going to reach mm-hmm. a certain point in life and be like, yes, okay, this is it. And then coast the rest of the way. Like there's always chance for an up level. And, you know, my, I wrote always. Book, be who you came to be my mom. Um, when it came out, she was like 71 and, and I didn't let her read it before because she's a school teacher and she would have like, you know, there would have been something wrong. Even though I was like, I have a professional editor, mom. The red pen. Yeah. <laughs> but so she got, she read the book and she came back a day later. She she drove over to my house and she was crying. And I said, oh my God, are you okay? She's like, I didn't think this book was going to speak to me. I said, what do you mean? She's like, I'm 71. Be who you came to be. She's like, I felt like you wrote this book for me. And I like, oh. I'm going to get emotional just thinking about it. And she was like, I am 71 and I have so many things I still want to accomplish and do and pour into. And, and again, you're never going to reach this place in life and, and arrive. Like there's always, mm-hmm. there's always more. And how beautiful is that sentiment to think like the best is yet to come yeah. at 71. That's beautiful. Oh, what a beautiful experience that you had. Where do you want to send people to get more of your stuff? I know, like I follow you on social media, but tell us where where you want people to go and we'll put it in the the show notes, of course. Yeah, so it's Tara, T-A-R-A, Renzi, R-E-N-Z-E. You can go to my website, tararenzi.com. And then all my handles are at Tara Renzi. So Instagram, by far, best place to follow me. Um, I try to do lots of stories, keep things real, keep things authentic and some fun. You do. And some funny behind the scenes. And you get to meet my yeah. Boss, you have some great reels on there too. Olive and Fog, <laughs> and um, my my fun boys. Occasionally they make cameos. People are like, we need more um, Ben and Jack, and my husband is Scott. They love it when they're on, just because it's hilarious. Like, you know, I live I live yeah. in a frat house, so. How <laughs> oh, funny. All right. Uh, TaraRenzi.com, everyone, and on Instagram. And those uh, notes will, of course, be be in the show description. Thank you so much, listeners, for being here. You know how grateful I am for your time. And remember, it is our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, did you know there's free secret podcast episodes waiting for you that are not part of my regular podcast feed? Yes. AndreaOwen.com slash free. And you just sign up. You get a link sent to you. It's very secret. It's like a secret club. We don't have a secret handshake. Don't worry about that. But it's these motivating podcast episodes that I made for you. They're under 20 minutes each. There's three of them. They're for wherever you are in your life. So head on over there and grab them. They range from really supporting you and seeing you where you are and being compassionate all the way to giving you a giant kick in your ass and telling you how amazing and gorgeous and phenomenal you are. So andreaowen.com slash free and get your hands on that free podcast feed.
feel like you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.